Hey guys, DJ here. This is a disclaimer. Applied Materials is a 100% non-profit, fan-made project set within the Orpheus Protocol game system. The Orpheus Protocol is an actual play podcast and tabletop role-playing game system created by Rob Stith and published by Varkalak Press. If you'd like to know more, please check out the main podcast at www.orpheusprotocol.com and patreon.com slash orpheusprotocol if you'd like to show more support for the main podcast. Thank you for your time, and please enjoy the following episode. Welcome to Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol actual play podcast. My name is DJ and I will be your host for tonight. On the cast list for our journey into the unknown, Connor as Adam Clearwater, Kieran as Dylan Jameson, Ryan as Rodney Anton. Tonight's episode, Crossroads, Part 1. Crossroads contains violence, otherworldly landscapes, strange fauna, and a return to a world on fire. Consider this your warning. Previously on Applied Materials, a pact sealed, a job accepted. After the investigation of the Hanover Bridge ended in an encounter with the otherworldly Kitakotal, the three magi are sent tumbling through reality, landing in a dusty heap in a foreign jungle. So, the three of you feel yourselves tumbling through an abyss. It feels like you're being shoved through layers upon layers upon layers of rolling rocks and stone, gravel, sand. You don't know how long you spend in this state. You don't know which way is up, where's the floor. The floor might be all around you. It might not be. But when you come to, you find yourselves unceremoniously tumbling out of a large stone pillar and onto... Basically a flat plain with like grass and a little bit of gravel. There is bright sunlight. There is a breeze. It's humid and it's hot. Well, um, let's not do that again anytime soon, yeah? Oh, I saw my life flash before my eyes back there. That's fun. That's always fun. I don't know how well I feel. It felt like you went through a little roller coaster. Actually, I would like all three of you to roll me a small horror check, please. Oh boy. Just a baby horror chick. We're horror people. We're horrible people? No, we're just horror people. I didn't call any of us horrible. So that is a 7 for me. I got a 5, and I'll just keep a 5 instead of throwing or adding a train. Yes, uh, Father Adam Clearwater rolls a 4. All of you pass, standing to lose 3 preventable. This is an Eldritch thing? Yes, this is very much an Eldritch thing. All right. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. The three of you feel like you've been tossed into a tumble dryer full of rocks and spat back out again unceremoniously. And as the three of you sort of stand up, dust yourselves off, and have a look at your surroundings, you find yourselves on a sort of slightly raised plateau in what appears to be a lush tropical rainforest. The plateau doesn't look over the tops of the trees. In fact, you are probably somewhere around the halfway point. These trees are very big, very huge, and obviously very tall. 
the weather here starts to make sense now that you realize that you're in some sort of rainforest. There are lots of bird calls here that you don't quite recognize. And behind you stands a stone pillar. Looks like it's made out of dirt and rocks. It's roughly six and a half feet tall. And it is a smooth, featureless rectangle just jutting out from the earth. Does it have any symbols or anything on it? No. In front of the pillar, you see a little note on a piece of notepad. Oh, really? I'll just mosey on over and uh, take a little peeksies at that note. Let me guess, roll horror check? No. Oh, thank God. The note is sitting on top of a bigger piece of folded paper. And as you pick up the note, you can read it. It's in English. And it says, there are some people here that you should be familiar with at least tangentially, they need your help in getting here. All the supplies you need and all of the things that you can think of are here, well, down the path. And you need to go and get them and clear those people a path. You have a week to do it, if not any less, and hopefully your snake friend will make sure those three get out unscathed. All right. The thick folded up piece of paper actually unfolds into a small map of the surrounding area. It looks like this map was created via drone cam. It details the surrounding area. And for such a starkly lush rainforest, there appears to be a section of it that has been cleared out about two minutes walk down a small dirt path on your left. And according to this little map, it looks like there's a bunch of white colored tents set up around the area in that little clearing, along with tree stumps and a few small boulders. If anyone, if we make our way, oh, let's, so we're not there at the camp, we're just looking at on the map. Yes. Okay, so I looked at the others, um, I hand them, or who had, who had the map? Who picked up the map? Uh, I believe I did, but I'm perfectly willing to hand it off to you. Okay, so we kind of take turns looking at the map, passing it around. I mean, there's also nothing stopping you from just all three of you looking at it at once. Yeah, but I think it like it makes more sense. Well, I don't know. I think my character would like take it and like try to examine it a bit more. Okay. Like probably look at it a little closer just for like I've got glasses and sometimes that can So you have to take off your glasses and peer at it because you're yeah, short sighted. Yeah, take off my glasses and my head look at it a little closer, you know. Why don't you give me a raw perception roll? All right, that is one on the dice with perception, you say? Uh, my perception is five, so that's a six. So with a six, as you take off your glasses and peer closer at this map, it appears that there is a grid overlaid on this map. It's just kind of faint because there's a lot of dark green, light green, brown, and the grid itself is black, not great. But you can see on the edges of the picture, the very typical vertical, the vertical axis is all letters, and then the horizontal axis is all numbers. Very typical map stuff. The little white tents that display on the map seem to have some sort of logo on them. It is either black or navy blue. You can't quite tell because of the quality of the picture. But it appears that there is some sort of logo emblazoned on the sides and the tops of some of these tents. But you can't quite make out what it is. It's too low res, too pixelated. All right. Well, let's assume that it probably is applied materials. What do you guys think? Head to the camps. See if we can stay low, not be seen. Make an assessment from there? Yeah, I do believe that would be a good assessment. 
I'd like to say we're all fairly good at sneaking around here, yeah? Granted, I'm not really used to sneaking around in a literal jungle, but we'll make it work. Actually, we should probably check to see if we can still do that right now, or if this is another boat situation. Yeah, can we can we actually slip into the liminal? You can certainly try. Alright, uh, almost forgot your name. Dylan, uh, link me up, please. Yep, no problem. You feel a tension. I'm actually going to do for both of you rank two telepathy. All right. Actually, I'm sorry. It's rank three um, telepathy, and it's passive. Um, and so I'm going to connect both of you to me and to each other. All right. And uh, Adam will take several steps away from you just in case something explodes, because we never know here, and attempt to activate impossible geometries. Uh, first, starting at rank two, and then moving up to rank three. Just uh, a quick vibe check, if you would. Okay. As you slip into the liminal space, you see Father Clearwater turn into ash and sort of drift away into the wind. Adam, as you slip into the liminal space, you see that the jungle ahead of you is on fire. <laughs> the space here seems to be muted in some way, shape, or form, similar to that liminal space you saw outside the colors here appear to be very desaturated almost black and white the fire on all of the trees here is a bright purple and it seems to stand out against your vision and it smells like death roll me horror check okay all right 3df plus five that was a bad roll i'll take my re-roll I roll another negative two on the dice. Uh, I will spend my three temp strain to push that up to a six. This feels pretty horrifying. Yeah, it is pretty horrifying, but you pass, standing to lose four. Excellent, excellent. I will simply spend two strain to negate all damage. Yeah, so this is horrifying. This place smells like death and blood and decay and fire. The fire seems to be just burning ever-present. You don't know how long the fires here have been burning, but... The trees here look like they've been burnt to cinders, yet they still sort of stand up as giant skeletons devoid of leaves and or bigger branches. Well, that's not all disconcerting. And by which I mean incredibly disconcerting. I'll just send back along the other link. Everything is on fire, but it ain't my fault. It was like that when I got there. It appears to be some kind of purplish color. And there's a lot more of a death stench than uh, it usually produces, so I do not know what could be causing this. Maybe it's Atmats, maybe it's some um, unknown fire beastie, what lives in the jungle. And uh, yeah, I'll also, you know, send over the images like a responsible teammate and pop back out of the liminal. I'm not poking the fire. It's so fucking tempting to poke it. I'm not poking the fire. So yeah, Adam will just, uh, actually, before he goes, he'll stop. Uh, is there any plant life that isn't burning around? No, everything appears to be either on fire or done being on fire and is now dead. Hmm, this is a really bad idea. But I am Fire Ghost Man. Adam is going to, you know, just get a little bit close to the fire. See how that feels. So you get close to the fire, and it's not hot, but it's also not cold. It's devoid of any sort of temperature. It looks more like a projection of some sort. 
like the fire is there, but it's holographic almost because it doesn't emit any sort of physical traits that you would expect there to be in for, you know, a raging fire. There's no heat, there's no air coming off of it. And, you know, in the occult sense, it's also not cold. It's not sucking in heat. It's just sort of there visually. And you also realize now that you're this close, you also don't hear it. It's just there. Adam will just say, uh, uh, it seems to be safe if you want to pop on over, as you can see here through this wonderful live feed you've devised. I don't know if we should all... In which case, I'll just pop on back then, if any of you would like to take a closer look. And Adam will exit the liminal, brush himself off, and uh, turn to you all. Okay, yeah. Adam reforms himself out of ash and is now back in front of you. You said something about not having all of us over there at this time, so I popped on back because it sounded, head sounded like you wanted to do something over there. Yeah, let me, you said there wasn't any heat to it. That there wasn't. Let me try something real quick. I'll be right back. Of course. You needed a stability check to go over. Arriving in that space will prompt a horror check, yes. One on the dice. Uh, that is a five on my horror check. All right, you pass, standing to lose four preventable. Eldritch? No. All right, then I'll buy two for two. Two for one, sorry. Okay, yeah. The scenery here is just as Adam described it. Land is dead, everything's on fire, but the fire is purple, there is no heat, and it doesn't make any sound. No, just like, it's not giving off any heat. It's not making any sound. It could legit be fire, or it could just be some sort of illusion. So when you stick your hand into the fire, it really honestly doesn't feel like fire. It sure spreads like one. Like you can see it start to drift up your fingers and then it just covers your whole hand, but you don't feel anything. It's not hot. It's not cold. It doesn't make any sound. It doesn't even feel like anything. I'm going to step away from the fire, um, sit down on the dull earth and throw some, throw some dirt over the flame and pat it out. Yep, that happens. It just sort of disappears. It doesn't even sizzle or hiss. It just gone. And your hand is now dirty. I'll come back into the real world. If you want to go take a look, you're welcome to. I, I was thinking at first it was maybe an illusion, but I don't think so now. I just think maybe it's a different kind of fire. It, it moves exactly like fire, but it's not hot and it doesn't burn to the touch. I want to I wanna, uh, try something, actually. I'm going to be right back. Uh, and then Rodney's going to 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 go into the is going to go go check it out. He's he's stepping into the liminal. Okay, roll me a horror check. <laughs> you knew this was coming, right? I know, but also <laughs> I think uh, that's a five. Yeah, you passed and to lose four. Uh, I'll spend two strain to take none. You see everything that was described by Father Clearwater. Rodney has to try something. He's going to do it in the funniest, dumbest way he can. This, I mean, I mean, Dylan explained that this fire won't actually hurt us, right? Mm-hmm. Rodney will set himself on fire, and then he will leave the liminal. I feel like that's not a good idea. Go for it. <laughs> what did you expect from this cell? I uh, nothing less. Okay, sure, <laughs> Rodney. You go to one of the burning trees, stick your hand out, wait until you're entirely covered in purple fire. Yeah. Then you slip back out of the liminal space, and oh my god, it's fire, it burns, ow. Make me an endurance check with vitality. Adam Clearwater 
just looks around very startled. Jesus Christ, get down on the ground, stop, drop, and roll. And I, like, push him to the ground and, like, take my jacket off and just kind of, like... This is, this is a vitality check? Endurance with vitality, yes. I don't have... I do have the endurance skill. Holy shit. Uh, I can re-roll that. I'll spend the three, three strain I can to get a five on that. Rodney's first words are, Oh my god, it really does hurt that bad! Holy fuck! I told you! No, it's, this, is, this is not related to you whatsoever, Father. Oh my god! And he's gonna go back into the liminal. From your brief exposure to actual fire, you take four physical damage. Oh god. Uh, can I machinations that? Yes, yes you can. <laughs> four physical for two sanity isn't the worst, trade, But it is the funniest. I would like to know what your machinations look like. I mean, you guys know how cartoony and happy Rodney looks like. It's probably disturbing when instead of, like, some cartoony regeneration process, Rodney goes through, I mean, probably what looks like a familiar machinations thing. These black, inky tendrils fucking, like, grab, twist, and reverse all of the horrible shit that's happened to him. A very a very bog-standard occultist machinations. Are you doing this in the real world, or are you doing this in the liminal space? Uh, doing this in the liminal space. Okay, so Adam and Dylan don't have to lose sanity for watching you reconstruct yourself. So, Rodney, you put yourself back together. It felt like you had just gotten, like, the worst third-degree burns in your entire life over, like, literally your entire body for a split second, and then the pain's just gone. Adam and Dylan, for the briefest of moments, you saw Rodney unzip himself from reality, step away into the liminal space. The zipper came back, so did he. He was on fire, and then he disappeared again. Well, that was... <sighs> okay, I'm, I'm just gonna go with it. Yeah. 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 We should start clearing the path for the others now, or whatever that note said to do. Anyway, we should probably get to our mission from Gaza and stop poking fires. All right, let's do it then. All right, so we're heading out to advanced scout at Applied Materials Camp. Let's head over there as quietly as we can, perhaps. Okay. If you want to do this quietly, I would allow you to do a collaborative stealth with dexterity. All right. Which one of us should be leading then? Um, my dexterity is one, but my stealth is four. I was saying, I have a dexterity three, stealth two. Dex two, stealth, uh, pretty good. Stealth rank five. And I did bring this up, so all right, people, on me. Uh, one, and a two, and a pop. And yeah, so could we apply our impossible geometries to this stealth roll? Sure, why not? I'll mark down some extra humanity burn, because we've probably got refreshed a couple times. Alright, so I'll take a plus two in lieu of rolling, with my machinations of the time was activated, to bring my total result to a seven. Oh, that is a six for me. Rank two, plus three to stealth rolls. Actually, I'm going to re-roll first before I take one in lieu of rolling. It's a four plus three, seven, and then I don't feel like I need to spend extra strain. Do I? Uh, you do not. The 
would meet me. So we have a six from Dylan and a seven from Rodney and Adam, the one leading the check. I believe in collaborative rules, that does push us to somewhere around a nine or a ten. Since you, since Adam and Rodney are the same, you get a plus three to the overall check. And then since Dylan got a six, that's another plus two. So that is a total of plus five. So that is a grand total of 12. It's very cinematic, the, th the way the three of you decide to rock on up to this camp as the camera sort of pans around and goes down the path as it's focused on the three of you. All three of you sort of disappear into the liminal space in your own way. And the camera just zooms all the way down to the entrance of the camp. And the three of you reappear at the entrance of the camp out of a cartoonishly large zipper that appears in midair, a burst of ash, and a wash of TV static. And now I'd like for you to roll me a collaborative investigation check with your perception. Have fun, guys. So I think I should lead this one since my perception is five. Yes. Yes, you should. Okay. <laughs> I will put my whole ass into this to make sure I don't bring it down. <laughs> I rolled a two. Um, I'm going to use three temp stream. So that's a five and it keys off of investigation, which is... Five also, so um, I can put three times strain. So that is ten. I can spend three strain to get a six? I rolled a plus two on the die, motherfucker. I'm doing as good as I can do. With one perception. Look, motherfucker, I'll put points into it when I level up. So Dylan got a ten, Rodney got a seven, and Adam got a six. So... Okay, so a 7 doesn't add anything. That's a 0 to the overall check. And then a 6 is a minus 1. So actually, that brings the check down to a 9. Still really good. Yeah, we're still doing incredibly good by human standards. The first thing that you figure out about this camp is that, just like you predicted, it is, in fact, an applied materials camp. The logos here are all the big black applied materials name emblazoned on either the tops or the sides of some of these white canvas tents. There's a couple of them here, actually. It seems like the sort of base that you would set up if you were sort of doing an exploratory type expedition out into uncharted wilds. It's a lot of canvas tents, wires on the ground, a couple of portable generators, big spotlights, that sort of thing. As the three of you split up and explore this camp, you find that it is completely empty and abandoned. There have been signs of life here, but all of the stuff here appears to be covered in a rather thin layer of dust. Dylan, as you kind of poke around different tents, just nipping in, looking around, nipping back out, it kind of reminds you in some way of the Hanover Bridge with how similar the environment is with the amount of age that is here. And you find a few notable tents. Most of these tents contain computer equipment. You also find a tent that very clearly has a big red cross emblazoned on the side. And when you look inside, there's a bunch of hospital beds, medical equipment. There's also a bigger tent on the edge of the camp with a bunch of fans hooked up around it. And when you poke your head in, it looks like there's a bunch of small server racks set up in here and not much else. There's also a few tents that look like they were meant for lodgings, a lot of bunk beds, small foot lockers. There's another small tent that looks like it was meant to be a cafeteria or a cookhouse of some kind. 
big bench tables, cooking stations, stuff like that. But for the most part, all of the equipment here appears to be either some sort of scientific equipment that you don't recognize or stuff that you do recognize is computer terminals that are hooked up to small quad rotor drones that sit in their little foam packed cases unused or at the very least you think they have been unused i'm going to steal some medical supplies um just stuff that like we might need being in the bush you find enough medical supplies that you think it would be plausible that you could spend about a week or a week and a half out in the bush and by rummaging through the living quarters tent you can also find rucksacks backpacks, that sort of thing. I was about to ask if there's any sources of fresh water here, uh, and water skins so we could carry that in. Because if we don't get that, we're fucked. And also, I think we should consider changing our clothes to fit this environment better. I look over to Rodney. <laughs> you say that. Rodney's gonna use Mask of the Faceless. He's using it to change into, like, <laughs> I think exactly what Connor explained. The, like, <laughs> the, like, Floor outfit, the whole nine yards. Like the sandy beige collared shirt, shorts, brown belt, pith helmet, stupidly oversized backpack. You look like Kevin Hart from the new Jumanji movie. I roll my eyes and I'm like, the point was to conserve humanity. Well, but, but for just for a second, all of his stuff is has like Disney logos on it. And he also has this really dirty oil slick safety visibility vest on top of all of that too all right so now that that's done do we see any like is there any sign of where they've gone to it doesn't appear like there are any sorts of very recent activity within this camp what about like journals or written word about like reports you don't find any paperwork however there are a bunch of computers around here and some generators also to also to quickly answer Adam's question, you search through the cafeteria and you are obviously able to find little pallets of canned food and bottled water. Canned food, bottled water, MREs. Hell yeah. Alright, we are in business, boys. So time for a little hacking and cracking then? Yeah, um I'll go get the engines running and which one of you feels like doing some hacking? I have some experience with cracking into security systems. Well, then I'll leave you to it. Are the generators pretty easy to start? The generators are those small gasoline-powered, pull the string real hard while the switch is on to start the generator kind of thing. Okay. Dylan, as you are heading out to go and find one of these generators, you're basically following the cables on the floor, and you find uh, an area just slightly off of the beaten path about maybe 10, 15 feet away from the camp, where there are a bunch of generators sort of set up underneath tarps. You kind of figure that this is to prevent rain from damaging them, as well as if there was the unfortunate incident of maybe one of these generators catching fire and exploding, it wouldn't set fire to the rest of the camp. However, that's not the only thing you see. These generators are arranged near a sort of rise in the cliff face where you came from. So like, the plateau that where you came from, there's a path that leads down to the camp, but then there's also all of these, like, not sheer cliff faces, but gentle slopes that lead around the outside of the camp. And mounted against one of these dirt walls, you see a very familiar door. In fact, it reminds you of the exact same door that was on the wall of the Hanover Bridge. What the fuck? 
and that comes through the telepathic link. Uh, guys, why don't do this? <sighs> Fuck. And yeah, Adam will just uh, hustle his way on over. Alright, what is it? Oh, fuck. So, uh, Dylan, uh, I'm not a betting man, uh, Father Clearwater lied, but, uh, what do you think the odds are that, uh, whatever calls the fires around here is behind that door right there? Yep, I can see that being a thing. You want to deal with this one now, or give it a sec? You know what, let's take a look and see what it looks like from the other space. And Dylan's going to shift in and see. Okay. Dylan, you shift back into the liminal space. The trees are still on fire. Everything is as per normal. The equipment here looks the same as it was in the real world. In fact, as you turn around to look at the camp, everything appears to be about the same. The same tents, the same equipment. And since you're here in the liminal space, I would like for you to roll me a knowledge occult check with your cognition, please. Okay. I rolled poorly, so I'm going to re-roll. That is much better. Seven. So with a seven, Dylan, as you're examining the computer equipment here and this door frame, this equipment feels very familiar. And even though you'd already had that sense of familiarity before, it's even stronger now because as you examine it, kind of get closer, have a look at the door frame, what it's made out of, where all these cables go. It's almost a one-to-one replica of that same door frame in the Hanover Bridge. And when you get closer to it, you can feel that same sort of liminal energy, a kind of transference, if you will, like this thing is some sort of doorway or a portal. How are they doing that? Is this... Well, I mean, that's how they would be moving so fast to evade us. I'm going to open the door. Adam and Rodney, you see the computer next to this big metal doorframe turn on and the keys start depressing like someone's typing. Dylan, you are doing the startup sequence for the portal door. You don't have to roll anything because you've done this before, several times in fact. Once to rescue Adrian and then the next time to get Rodney out of the same liminal space on Brother Hanover Bridge. Mm -hmm. It kind of feels like instinct at this point and then you tap a few more keys and the door opens. Adam and Rodney, you see that through this door frame is just the side of this dirt wall. It's just dirt covered in grass. Dylan, you see kind of the same thing, except with, well, dead grass. And then all of the light seems to fade from the door frame. And then you see the door frame itself sort of extend into infinity behind the door frame itself. It's like a giant long hallway. And then in the blink of an eye, it pops back. And all three of you see through this door frame that is now a portal, the glass cube sitting on top of a raised metal structure that you recognize as the containment chamber in the central cargo hold of the Hanover Bridge. Well, that's one mystery solved. Well, we've got ourselves way back home now, at least. That we do. I say as I come back from the liminal space. Still creepy how you're using the psychic link to do that. Not gonna lie. Uh, well, creepy, but useful. Very useful. So, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe they, like, pulled that beastie we saw, the little one, from this place, through that gate, and into the cube? That's what I think. They had to have done. But fortunately, did they double back on us? Like, they escaped. And then, did they go back once we left? I would assume that the beastie went with its uh, poppy. 
Oh no, no, I don't mean the the beasties, the, the people that the people responsible, applied materials. Do you think that they're still here somewhere else, or do you think that they just doubled back? Honestly, I assume they've brought, they're either dead or they've been eaten by now. Because, like, if the only place where that led out to was the Hanover Bridge, we saw what happened to the people on the Hanover Bridge. Well, yes, but didn't Quetzalcoatl say that there were some still here? Quetzalcoatl didn't refer to them as specifically Alpimeteria's people. He just said there were people here. There are people here and he wants them gone. Most likely Applied Materials. Hopefully we don't have to get rid of our own agents. That would be awkward. Well, if we have to get rid of our own agents, we just bring them with us. That would get rid of them, wouldn't it? Yes. Hopefully I can split hairs that way. Uh, you know, with a god, it's fine. I believe in you, Father Clearwater Life. <laughs> okay, so that's our way home. Let's see if we can find these people. Uh, I guess let's continue on with what we were doing. That's probably the best option. I look over, like I say out loud, and I look over at the two of them. Let's see how much we can get moved onto the Hanover. We can tell our handler that it's there. They can use it for whatever they need to track applied materials, and we can continue with our expedition. All right. That sounds good. Uh, do any of us have experience in moving heavy equipment? There's got to be, like, wheelbarrows and stuff, right? I mean, they're in the they're in the jungle. They they couldn't have been transporting it all by hand. I mean, if what we know is correct, they could have just transported it through the portal in the cube, and they could get that shit onto the ship with like something with proper wheels. It'd have to cut it out like ten dozen feet with a couple strong hands. Let's leave it as it is, and then like on the way out, maybe. But we should probably take a poke outside and call up our handler to let him know that we have very unexpectedly managed to reestablish contact. Good point. And uh, yeah, Adam will just uh, step out uh, for a brief second, uh, pausing at the door to say apologies. Uh, pardon me, uh, Quetzalcoatl. I'll be right back on the mission. I have to take a call. Father Clearwater takes a quick step out and out of the cage back onto the Hanover Bridge and just rattles off a quick text to Tennessee. Found method to access other world? Portal in containment cage. Maybe send one or two men up to reclaim server farms from camp on other side of portal. Send message. Adam then returns to the land of no Wi-Fi. Alright, you send the message off. And in the moment it takes for you to step back through the doorway, you feel your phone buzz, and then the connection immediately gets cut. And you look at your phone screen, and it says one missed call. Well, I can't call him back now. That would be embarrassing. <sighs> oh, woe is me, who is too much of a... What do you call them, Robbie? Boomers? Technically speaking, I am in that age group. Nothing to be ashamed of, Boomer. Thank you kindly, Millennial. Alright, so now that we've got the generators running, I'm willing to go through the computers. Um, maybe one of you guys, probably Dylan, should go check out the science experiments and such. Yeah. You've got a lot of the mystical knowledge, yeah? Okay, look over at Rodney, you want to help out? I mean, yeah. It's one of the few things I'm good at. Alright, let's go check it out. Father Clearwater will be heading over to check the computer logs, and uh, Dylan and Rodney will head over to do the experiments. Then I would like Dylan and Adam to make me cybersecurity checks. 
with your cognition. You're smart. You got this. I mean, it's a good thing I rolled a plus three. Uh, Rodney can try to help. He's not good at computers, but... I'm not either. Like, I'm only good because I got a three. So that's a six for me. I rolled once, took the Reg B re-roll after not rolling so well, and then uh, proceeded to spend three strain to bring his end result to an eight. Adam, you head over to the computers, specifically in the server farm tent. You open up one of the laptops there, just crack the initial security. It's not very secure. None of the applied materials personnel here were expecting other people to be here, so their cybersecurity measures aren't exactly that beefed up anyway. You open up the database here, and you are immediately greeted by just shit ton of lab reports, investigations, exploration logs, videos, images, analyses from the lab tent. Just so much information, it makes your head swim. Alright, uh, when was the last one posted? Roughly about the same time that the Hanover Bridge fucking died, let me guess. Around about the same time, yes. It seems to correspond with a slight flood of emails between administrators of this particular science project or expedition, you're not quite sure, that sort of detail a need to evacuate the camp. Now that their investigations were done and they didn't need all of this equipment anymore. And that just so happened to coincide with the fact that, well, Ahuizotl got out and started eating all the people in the Hanover Bridge, which sort of explains to you why they left this camp as is instead of taking the time over the course of like maybe two-ish weeks to tear down everything and bring it back through the portal. I mean, like, yeah, like you've got your portal... Right there, you can just go back and do it whenever, because fucking no one lives over here, except for one very dangerous thing. Probably several more, if I'm to be honest. A lot of the experiment logs here are very, honestly, mundane stuff. You've got soil analysis, air analysis, water quality, mineral composition. You've got drone footage of the surrounding area. You've got body cam footage from past expeditions. And also, you do turn up some other reports, mostly journals and email entries from the personnel that lived here. And you find that there have been a few cases of reported deaths in this camp. And this camp was established sometime as far back as 2016, 2015. You're not quite sure. But this camp has been here for a pretty long while. And it has been used from what you can see, purely for scientific purposes. Just people going out, exploring the surrounding area, reporting back what they find, taking samples of flora, fauna, for analysis, taking camera footage, all that sort of stuff. Very mundane, honestly, something you imagine real-life scientists would do if presented with a situation like this, as opposed to an evil megacorporation. I mean, they are scientists, and this is real life. I don't know why my internal monologue said real life scientists, but uh, yeah, that is fascinating. Experiments here seem to be rather mundane. Well, I'm sure that Dylan will find something. Dylan, as you examine this lab equipment, you find that all of it seems to correspond with research that you've done in the past about geology and other related sciences. This equipment seems to be used for mineral analysis, soil analysis. You find a few air sniffers that are used to measure air quality and chemicals in the air. A lot of equipment that is also 
used to test water quality. Some centrifuges that you can tell are used to process blood. Just a whole bunch of stuff that is very mundane scientific stuff. The fact that it exists here in a strange land far, far away from home, it kind of sets off that little like weirdness alarm in the back of your mind, even though all of this equipment is so terribly mundane. Were they looking to set up a permanent base here? From the tents and the equipment here? Probably not. But you kind of figure that as you're going through these lab equipment, looking through some of the computers, it, they've been here for a while, like a good two, three years, probably. Just getting the lay of the land, studying the place. And then you find records that indicate the escape of Ahuizotl and this camp's subsequent rushed abandonment. <laughs> I chuckle a little to myself. Well, they got what they deserved, didn't they? All right, so the people we're looking for, they aren't these people. So where would others be? One more thing that you find. Since you're in the lab tent, a lot of the information here is more about the experiments that were done on the local flora and the fauna. And you find several mentions of people being tested after they were bitten by the indigenous wildlife, like animals, insects, that sort of thing. Other scientists taking samples of their blood, performing rudimentary analysis on it, trying to figure out if there's any pathogens that you don't know about, which they do find several of. And they send information back to a company called GeneLink. 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 Why is that familiar? We've encountered that before. Rodney, are you standing next to Dylan? Yeah, so I, so I think I say that under my breath. And then, like, because you're in the same tent with me, I go, Hey, Rodney, why does the word, why does the name GeneLink sound familiar? Oh, shit. Um, those were the, the, the bastards at the fucking um, Magical Exploration World theme park. What the fuck? I, that's not what I would have expected. Okay. A theme park? What did they do at the theme park? Uh, a lot of fucked up shit. Mostly behind the scenes. So, it wasn't exactly a magical place on Earth? No, no it was not. Okay. Well, it looks like Applied Materials was sending a lot of the data on the infections and diseases and biological interactions that people here had when they encountered the local flora and fauna. They were sending all that info to GeneLink. Well, GeneLink is a, uh, like a pharmaceuticals company, isn't it? Okay, so, so they were probably, I mean, I really don't think that they were trying to develop any sort of cure or vaccine for anything. That doesn't sound like our friends, does it? No, no, it don't. Weird. All right, let's, let's get what we can put into like a singular space so that when, um, when our handler comes through or when the second team comes through, they can grab this stuff and get it pretty quickly this is there's something there's a, a deeper mystery here that i shouldn't i should be figuring out but i can't i'm losing track of why we're here we need to find and as you're saying these words dylan you can feel that little ball of yarn start to vibrate in your satchel as you say those words there's a deeper mystery here that needs to be solved i forgot i had that thing <laughs> I pull out the ball of yarn and 
I get this funny look on my face and take the like take the ball while holding onto one end and throw the rest of it towards the exit of the tent. So as you toss the ball of yarn up in the air, you kind of try and catch it and it bumps off the side of your hand and falls to the floor and it just kind of rolls with gravity and momentum to the entrance of the tent. I will begin wrapping the loose strand on my other hand and following it. It rolls all the way to the entrance of the tent, kind of stops like an inch outside the perimeter, and it just stops. You kind of figure that the momentum has also probably all gone. Well, this is going to make me look like an idiot, but fuck it. I've looked like an idiot before. I pick it up and repeat the, po- repeat the process. Okay. You pick up the ball of yarn, and as you toss it into the air to try and, you know, follow with your eyes, try and catch it again, you see on the horizon to your right a flock of birds, or at least what you think are birds, somewhere off in the far distance, being agitated by something and flying away. Okay, well, I think that's the direction we should head. I don't think they'd be spooked by just anything. Even if it was a predator, I'd imagine that they just sort of scatter. They look a little bit more, well, it could be a predator. Maybe that's not such a, oh, fuck it. Come on, guys, let's go check it out. The note told you that you needed to go and find a bunch of people in this jungle. And Dylan, when you saw that flock of birds fly away from the canopy of this jungle, it was pretty far away, far enough that it looked basically like a, just a jumble of tiny little black dots flying off into the air. You kind of estimate that perhaps that disturbance was very, very far away, probably at least a day's travel, if not more. I wonder if we could shorten that by using the impossible spaces. It could probably help us a bit, but I don't think enough to cut down a day's worth of travel time to a minute. Well, let's hope that they're maybe moving toward us or that they're moving a lot slower than us. You ready to go? You ready to go free the hobbits from Isengard? <sighs> to Isengard we go, we go. I, I laugh. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Rodney, what do your elf eyes see? Look, all I can think about is that tumblr post about how elf eyes are really super fucked compared to normal people eyes (laughs) i would assume that your elf eyes are just seeing ghosts like usual so fucked compared to normal people eyes (laughs) all right all right come on let's go so a day's worth of travel you know what at least it's beautiful i mean yeah except for the eldritch malaria that we're gonna catch i I, in our profession, I'm uncertain of any of our abilities to contract diseases. Rodney, how much of your skin is made of suit? I'll, I'll have you know that my humanity is not that bad right now. I'll have you know that underneath this, this, this thing, this suit I'm wearing, I am indeed fully still. It's not like stuck, stuck to me. I'm just stuck in it. You know what I mean? I have seen men with the faces of wolves and just altogether too many ghosts for my liking. All I'm saying is maybe the next time, oh, oh, this is on me. The next time I agree to help an eldritch entity that I request for some eldritch, you know, mosquito spray or something. Eldritch cancer immunity. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm slightly regretting having chosen you know we don't need to go into that let's just keep i'm sure that your rock dragon daddy can i don't know 
uh, replace all your bones with obsidian? Why, you don't like me saying it as it is? I just... Father Clearwater is just grinning ear to ear looking at Dylan. And I suppose this conversation dominates the quiet sounds of the jungle as the three of you make your way out of the camp. Having gathered all of the supplies, having gathered all of the supplies that you can possibly carry between the three of you, you set off towards that little sign that was left by Dylan and his roving eyes. And as you walk down the trail, you disappear into the jungle. This has been Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol actual play podcast. A warm thanks to our players tonight. Connor for playing Adam. Kieran for playing Dylan. Ryan for playing Rodney. Be sure to follow the show at Applied Mats on Twitter, and we will return in the next episode. Good night. Burdened with their new gifts, the Orpheus research team and Kingpin squad resume their trek towards Sanctuary, deeper in the jungle, next time on Crossroads Part 2.